This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Well, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit, and we're going to continue. This will be the, the third week on it. Go with me to the book of John chapter 14. John chapter 14, and my prayer for my own life and for your life is every one of us get to know the Holy Spirit intimately, where we know His voice and we're led by the Spirit of God. And, you know, when I, I talk about the Holy Spirit, sometimes the Holy Spirit is very similar to what happens when you go on your first date. Now, I know that's a long time ago, many moons for many of us. But when you think about the first date you ever went on, it was kind of awkward. You didn't want to do nothing stupid. You wanted to be smooth with two O's, you know. But after a while of being around each other and you become intimate with each other and you get to know each other, it just kind of clicks. It just flows where, you know what, I can be myself. Well, the Holy Spirit wants to have that same intimacy with us. He wants to get around us where it just flows with us and it becomes just part of our daily life. John 14, verse number 12. Jesus talking here and he said, Most assuredly, I say to you, He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. Now, he's talking about in numbers. I don't know that you can do a greater work than raising people from the dead. But what he's talking about is we're going to do greater works in numbers. You know why? Right here in this room is literally hundreds of Jesus people. And so what Jesus could only do by himself, he's saying, you know what? I'm going to make you guys able to do everything That I did. And how's he going to do that? Through the Holy Spirit. Verse 13. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, understand, we got to get a hold of the name of Jesus. That's a whole different title. But the name of Jesus is how we address everything. When we go to the Lord in prayer, we come in the name of Jesus. Every time. Verse number 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. And this is Jesus' words in verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. Now the word helper there, many translations will say advocate. They'll say counselor. They'll say comforter. They'll say even an encourager. Now this is what Jesus said. I'm going to give you another helper. So once again, Jesus is informing me and you, you're going to need some help to pull off the things that I've called you to do. Verse 17. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and he will be in you. Now, when he talks about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will give me a a whole new way Of looking at life. And if you'll look in that verse. Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as he. He will lead you into the truth. He didn't say it. He didn't say a force once again. He referred to the Holy Spirit as he. As a person. Verse 18. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Now, when Jesus says this, he's really telling us he's going to come in the person of the Holy Spirit. 
I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm not just going to check out of here and leave you on your own. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and he's going to help you. Same chapter, verse 26. But the helper, now this is the second reference of it real quick that Jesus made. But the helper, and look how Jesus identifies the helper. But the helper, the Holy Spirit. He tells me and you who the helper is right there. He's the Holy Spirit. And who's the Holy Spirit from? Whom the Father will send. And so this is Jesus and Father God's idea. And be very, very, very careful to ever slap, criticize, devalue, degrade the Holy Spirit. Because when I do, you're literally smashing God and saying, I don't like that. And so right here, he informs us who this Holy Spirit is and where he came from. Now look what he says. He, the Holy Spirit, will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance all things that I said to you. Now when he talks about this, the New Living says, when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative. And so God, he said, I got it all figured out. You got to get a hold of this. John 15. Verse 26. But when the helper comes, who I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Now the Holy Spirit will lead believers into a, a greater apprehension of the gospel truth. He'll lead every one of us into it if we'll begin to hang out and ask him and say, teach me. But also, in addition, He'll give each of us general help and he'll give me general guidance. And he will teach us how to deal and live in a hostile world. The Holy Spirit will. Every one of us. None of us are not included in that promise. John 16. Verse 12. Jesus talking. He said, I still have many things to say to you. But you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you in all the truth. For he, the Holy Spirit, will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. Now, when Jesus said, the spirit once again will guide you into the truth. How many times has he said this? It's like he's saying, listen, you guys have got to get this. And when you read this from Jesus' words right there, what he said he didn't insinuate there was any other way. He specifically said the Holy Spirit is going to be the one. And so if you want to be led by the truth, if you want to go deeper in the things of God, the Holy Spirit's the answer for every one of us in this room. Keep reading with me. Verse 14. He will glorify or bring me glory, for he will take what is mine and he will declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of mine. And he will declare it to you. The Holy Spirit will declare us all this. So, man, I got to hang out with the Holy Spirit. Now think back at some of the different definitions of the Holy Spirit. He's the, he's the advocate. He's the strengthener. He's the standby. He's the intercessor. He's the comforter and the counselor. Now, 
I've always been intrigued with the word comforter. He's the comforter. He'll comfort you in bad times, tough situations. But think about this just for a little bit here. When you hear the word comforter, what does first come to your mind? The first time I really started hearing about the Holy Spirit being a comforter, I thought of the comforter on my bed. Now, when you talk about a comforter on on your bed, there's one on my bed right now, but that comforter is just for looks. I've been told that numerous times. I've been reprimanded. I've been rebuked. I've been put on probation. That that one is just for looks. But I have another one in my house, and its definition of a comforter But it's real old. It's better known around my house as the bear blanket. And it's been around a long time. And the bear blanket is a comforter, but it's for everyday use. And in the middle of winter, people in my family have been known to fight for the bear blanket, for the comforter. Why? Because you wrap yourself up in it. And that's exactly how the Holy Spirit wants to come. He wants to wrap himself and be every, a part of every area of my life. No matter what it is, he's saying, man, I want to comfort you. And the reason I tell you that there's times in my life when it gets difficult. And when I think of the comforter, it's almost like I just put him on me and say, oh, help me today. And he'll do it. And like I said, he's for everyday use. Everyday use. Now, let's go back to the same chapter. Let's start in verse 5. And I did this purposely. We're going to start in John 16, verse 5. Jesus still talking here. And if you'll notice the subtitle above verse 5, it says the work of the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit. Not of mankind, but the work that only the Holy Spirit can do. So Jesus says in verse 5. But now I go away to him, to Father God who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. You've become grieved. Now, what Jesus was talking about to the disciples, you got to think about this. He's, He's hung out with some of them for over three years. And all of a sudden, he hits them with, I'm getting ready to leave. Now, if you would have hung out for Jesus with three years, he did everything for them. He taught them everything. I mean, he was incredible to them. So the reason their heart was so grieved is he's leaving us. How can you leave us, Lord Jesus? Verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Now, this is a big deal right here to Jesus. Do you think Jesus had ever lied to him before? No, he had never lied to him. But he specifically tells him, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Listen to me is what he's saying. It is to your advantage or it is for your best that I go away. For I do not go away. The helper, the advocate, the counselor, the comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Now, Jesus departed, and he sent the Holy Spirit to him, and he sent the Holy Spirit to me and you. Verse 8. And when he, the Holy Spirit, has come, 
He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. He would convict the world of sin, of God's righteousness, and of judgment. Now, that's an interesting statement right there that he makes. Keep reading verse 9. Of sin because they do not believe in me. So he's saying the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin. Why? Because we don't believe in him. Now listen to the new living on that verse. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. So the job of the Holy Spirit is to convict humanity of sin. He's to convict me and you. That's why every one of us in this room, we should embrace conviction. And it's not always the funnest thing, but it is the best thing. That he's trying to help me. Now, when it says he will convict the world of sin, you know what the sin was? We needed a Savior. Without Jesus, I'm going to go to hell. And so his job is to convict humanity, not only of sin, but I need a Savior. I can't do everything on my own. Now, keep reading. Verse 10. Of righteousness... Because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Now when we see the word righteousness, it literally means right standing or right standing of God. So the Holy Spirit basically says here, I'm going to convict you of right standing or righteousness with God. Now if I ask for a show of hands in here right now, how many of you have ever been convicted of sin? Every one of us would raise their hand. But if I was to ask us this question, how many of us have ever been convicted of righteousness? We may look at each other and say, well, I don't know. Have I ever been convicted of righteousness? Now listen, this, this, will, this will break this loose for you right here. Instead of the word conviction, the word convince comes from the same root word as conviction. So what here takes place is the Lord sent the Holy Spirit and he said, the Holy Spirit will convince you that you need a Savior. He's a convincer. And the Holy Spirit will convince you that you are in right standing with God. Not because of anything I did, but because of Jesus. Now keep reading, we're going somewhere. It's going to get real good, I promise. Verse 11. And he will convince me a judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Who's the ruler of this world? Satan. And it said he's judged. You know that Jesus judged him. You know how Jesus judged him? Jesus disarmed him. Colossians 2.15 that he said he spoiled principalities and powers. He disarmed him. So what Jesus did. Jesus stripped him of his authority. Jesus took the keys of death and hell. So when we look at everything he's telling us all here. If I'm not careful, this is how most of us had interpreted this verse before. That he convicts me of sin and we think, because I'm a bad person. I'm a bad person. And he convicts me of righteousness because I'm not living right. And when we use the word judgment, you know what judgment says? God's going to get you. You're a bad, bad, bad person. That's how a lot of us have been interpreted this before. But when the Holy Spirit comes on the scene, you know what he says? I'm going to convince you that you're a sinner. 
And you need a Savior. And you know what that leads me and you to? Romans 10, 9 and 10. That I ask Jesus to come into my heart. And think about that. He didn't say, go back home and get your act together, buddy. He said, now come on just as you are. See, I'm not a secret to Jesus. He knows what he's getting. But he said, if you'll confess Jesus as Lord, you'll be saved. And so the Holy Spirit comes in and he convinces us we need a Savior. So we respond to that and we receive Jesus. And then you know what happens next? He convinces us that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. I am in right standing with God. How? 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. So he begins to convince me, you're righteous. Not because you're so smart. You're righteous not because you know a hundred scriptures. You're righteous because of Jesus. And so he begins to convince me and I start saying, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. A brand new creation in him. I'm a partaker of his divine nature. I, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. You look in the mirror tomorrow morning and you say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And you say, Pastor, but I don't feel like it. No, no, no. It didn't have nothing to do with your feelings. Jesus qualified you. And then it says, he's going to convict the God of this world, the devil of judgment. You know what that means? He's going to convince me and you that he dethroned him. And you know what he says to me and you? I got the keys. I got the keys. Where's that? Matthew 6, 19, 16, 19. He said, and I give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And so when you look at all this stuff, the Holy Spirit's a convincer. And he's trying to convince us, one, we need a savior. But he convinces us, two, I am righteous because of Jesus. And three, he's saying, you got the power. You got the power. Begin to use it and begin to stand. And that's why it's important that I say, oh, Holy Spirit, I welcome not only your conviction today, I welcome your convincing. Begin to convince me who I am in Christ Jesus. And he'll go to work. He'll go to work. See, the Holy Spirit wants to be my friend. He wants to be your friend. He wants to hang out with you. He wants to be a part of every, every aspect of your life. But the Holy Spirit's weird. No, he's not. People are weird. Holy Spirit's not weird. See, here's what I believe happened. That in Acts 2, when the, the actually Acts 1, Jesus said to the disciples, he said, boys, don't leave from Jerusalem till you receive the promise of the Father. Acts 1, 4. And then he said, the, the Holy Spirit. You were baptized with water not long after this. I'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And he said in Acts 1-8, he said, he said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll receive power to be a witness. So the, the, the disciples, they get filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you read Acts 2, 3, 4 especially, you'll find out that all of a sudden, these ordinary men, fishermen, they start turning the world upside down. Stuff starts happening and the devil freaks out. So you know what the devil does? He said, we've got to do something crazy. Let's make the Holy Spirit appear weird. He's not weird. There's nothing weird about him. 
You think God's weird? God's not weird. He's the very life of God on the inside of us. And he wants to be your friend. He wants to hang out with us. He wants to be a part of our day. See, even in my own life, if you've ever struggled in an area of your life of sin or addiction to anything, Colossians 1.12 said that Jesus is qualified as, as partakers of the inheritance in life. You got an inheritance in Jesus. Colossians 1.13 said, He delivered me out of the power of darkness. He's transferred me out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. So guess what's got to start happening? Start asking the Holy Spirit to say, Convince me that darkness has no dominion over me. Begin to convince me of all my inheritance. Begin to convince me that my God still takes people out of one realm, the realm of darkness, and he transfers us into the kingdom of light and begin to welcome that. And guess what starts taking place? When you start believing that, God starts molding you. And some days he'll say, get back in the oven, you're not done. I'm not done with you. And I crawl back into his presence and I keep hanging out. And day by day, day by day, I start being shaped into that new image in Christ Jesus. And before long, guess what? Sin doesn't dominate me. Alcohol doesn't dominate me. But I always go back and say, Woo, it's because of you, Father God. It's because of you. See, we need to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's get filled with the Holy Spirit and let's just welcome him. Why don't we stand up here before we go tonight? Woo, Pastor, you preached excellent. Woo! I tell you, I've been stirred up all day. Start just the Spirit of God. You know, you get that on the inside of you. That once again, you may, you may have bad, made some bad mistakes. You may be a sinner. We're all sinners. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's why we all need a Savior. But I will tell you this right now too. Once you receive Jesus as Savior of your life, you are in right standing with God. You come in by the blood of the Lamb and understand your authority and everything and begin to live by that. Now let's pray. Now you Father God, we love you tonight. We honor you tonight. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We welcome you as our helper. Our advocate. Ooh, we welcome you as our counselor, but also our comforter. Lord, I pray right now that you, you wrap us up in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we welcome not only your conviction, but we welcome your convincing to reveal to us who we are. And Lord, breathe on everyone in this room right now. And I thank you today, Lord. Bless in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know, I'll share this with you, and then I'll let you go, maybe. You know, me and Shelly got married, and we were real young. Young, 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 young. I look at teenagers in our church. I look at some of these 17-year-olds, and I think, holy smoke, Batman. How did her daddy let me marry her at that age? But you go into that, and, you know, you got this goo-goo eyes. We're in love. And that wears off after the first year, and then you think, oh, my gosh, what did we get into here? But the Holy Spirit began to help. 
And I, I had looked at the word conviction all those years. But now when I see the root word is convince. You know what he started convincing me? You can be a godly husband. You can be a, a godly daddy. He began to convince me. And guess what? Before long, I started believing. And I was like, <laughs> and that's what he wants to do. So I'm, I'm throwing these out here. No matter where you're at, allow the Holy Spirit to convince you. Whatever you're doing, I, I, I can be convinced by the Holy Spirit. He'll move in me. How does he move me? He reveals the truth to me. Ephesians 5, 25 says, husbands love your wife. So he began to convince me and say, listen, dude, you can love your wife as Christ loved the church. I said, I can. And he said, yes. And so he'll convince us in these areas of our life. I got to get a hold of it though, okay? So what is the area of your life tonight? You say, Lord, convince me. Holy Spirit, convince me. Welcome him into your day. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.